Welcome to the PFATS Podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by Mark Coberly. Mark is the Assistant Athletic Director for Sports Medicine at Iowa State University. He's been in this role since 1999. Mark was also just newly elected to the National Athletic Trainers Association Class of 2023 Hall of Fame. So let's get into it with Mark Coberly. All right, everybody, let's welcome Mr. Mark Coberly here. Get you a little round of applause here on the other end. I don't know if you can hear that or not. What's going on, man? Uh, man, survive spring football. That's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you guys just wrapped up last weekend? Yeah, last weekend. Cool. Yeah. Str- yeah. Stressful, totally. easy. Uh, not too stressful for me because I'm not doing all the day to day with it. So, yeah. uh, no, it's good. It's just a, it's stressful for I me. Mean, it's just busy time for everybody. The semester's wrapping up and all of our sports are wrapping up and, and our staff's busy. So yeah, good time of year. Looking forward to, you know, a, a good late spring and early summer. So I'm yeah. in good shape. You going to take yeah. any vacation? Um, man, probably not too much. Yeah. Um, uh, my time to get some stuff done around here but at some point this summer we'll get out of here for a little bit yeah nice um you look like you're in a new office are you in the new building you guys just built uh, a new building uh, we built a building my office hasn't changed much uh we remodeled a building so these bookshelves behind me used to be an exterior window that cut into a parking lot yeah but, okay uh, so that's what looks different about it but no yeah i'm in our uh we did open up a new building about 18 months ago a 90 million dollar facility but our area in sports medicine, we went from about 8,000 square feet to 15,000, but it didn't really impact my office oh, gotcha. um, in the perimeter. So, yeah, we, we have a new facility. It's cool. It's really good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, kind so, of the same space we just remodeled. Yeah, so that the facility on the, Berg, the Bergstrom in, indoor facility where you guys weight room, offices, yep. everything, yep. and then the new building is just next to, just adjacent to it? it yeah, it's attached to it. So okay. we just attached it. So the new building is actually right behind my bookshelves here. Yeah. Um, and that goes into uh, a massive player locker room, a lounge. Uh, first floor we have um, uh, our dietitians are all there with uh, some like grab and go, pre fuel, post fuel. And then it's a four story building. Uh, that's attached. That's got academic services on the third floor for all student athletes. And we've got, a massive training table nutrition center on the fourth floor. Uh, and then in the very bottom floor, some of our Olympic sports that used to be across the street. When we did the remodel, they've got a big weight room downstairs with locker rooms, uh, a second sports medicine facility located there yeah. as well. So we got two pretty good sized sports medicine facilities within a hundred feet of each other, really yeah. almost, you know, yeah. but it works and we have to because the traffic's high and, Against 450 student athletes rolling in and out of here um, in the mornings. And then we've got uh, seven training rooms across campus that are kind of operational yeah. in the mornings and the afternoons and evenings for practices and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. So, football's still in the Bergstrom building. Training room yep. wise, you guys are still in that, in that Correct. building. Correct. Okay. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed over there in terms of. No, we just, um, what used to be our training, the, the whole training room, 7,000 square feet is now all rehab space okay. and recovery. 
and we added uh, uh, about another 5,000 square feet in treatment area and aquatic therapy area and expanded. Um, we, we thought the traffic was going to be a lot higher in here because of the addition of academic services located yeah. real close here, and it has been, so we needed enough space to accommodate all the student athletes. And of course, you know, like everything, you build something and you run out of space and our rehab space was getting a little bit condensed. Yeah. Uh, our indoor facility is literally right out the doors here. Yeah. Um, so from a functional rehab standpoint, we go out to the indoor facility and use that, but from a, you know, true, you know, isolated rehab stuff, we've got, you know, obviously a lot of rehab equipment in here and things like that. We've been able to expand that. It's been much, much better. We can rehab, 25 people at a time in this space and not stepping over each other, yeah. you know? So yeah, it felt good. So for, I'm going to tell everybody who's listening for those who don't know it at Iowa state, which is in Ames. Um, I was a GA for Mark, uh, with football. That was, gosh, that was over 10 years ago now. Um, <laughs> and we used to work in the Jacobson building, which was next door. It's not there anymore. I don't think, right. They tore that down. Well, those that- yeah. So this facility was being built, was really in the works my last, my second year as a GA. Um, So things have, I mean, it's amazing how things have changed up there and it's awesome to see it grow. It's, it's so impressive how the program has grown and the athletic department has grown. It's, it's really cool. So kudos to you on that. Shout out to you on being a part of that because I know you were a big driving factor in, getting what you wanted as far as sports medicine goes. So that's, that's awesome to see. Yeah. We've, we've been pretty fortunate. Our, our athletic director is outstanding. He's always, you know, what do we need to do better for the student athletes and um, whatever we think we need to do here, he typically gives us the ability to go get it and go do it, you know? So for me, that's a a huge blessing because it allows us to have some vision and continually change. Yeah. And that's really important to me as somebody that's, you know, does what I do. So, yeah. Um, I was telling everybody in the intro to this episode, um, you've been at Iowa state in that position since 1999. Can you kind of tell us how, how you got into athletic training, start from the beginning, just how you got into this, how you got to Iowa state, where you went after Iowa state and then you came back. So give us the whole, give us the whole background there. Uh, I'm originally from a small town in the very southeast corner of the state, actually probably located a lot closer to the University of Iowa than here. Um, we pretty good athlete in high school. I was really good academically. And, um, I think it was around, I think it was my sophomore junior year. We decided to go to a basketball camp uh, at Iowa state and none of us were any good at basketball. We were all better at the other sports, uh, but we wanted to go do something to get better at something. And at that point, uh, Iowa State was kind of gaining steam because Johnny Orr was, you know, playing a really fast-paced basketball. We just thought it'd be cool to go there. None of us had ever been to Ames. And yeah. uh, I came to camp, and we rolled in. I'm like, man, this place is pretty nice. And, and it was you know, kind of my personality. But that was the first time I was ever exposed to an athletic trainer. Um, we went to this camp, and guy stood up and said, hey, I'm the athletic trainer here. Here's what I do. Um, and like I said, I'm a junior in high school, and I'm not thinking about the future too much. But I'm going, man, that's a cool job. I wonder how somebody does that. And that was really my first introduction to it. And, uh, we came to, uh, came back uh, again, uh, the next summer. And I actually talked to the people here that were in the program about what, how, how do you become an athletic trainer and things like that. And, uh, so that really piqued my interest. And at that time, um, the, the guy that was our head athletic trainer here at Iowa state his name is Frank Randall. He's a NATA hall of famer. I mean, 
as good as it gets. Um, and so uh, he had a program and, and obviously, you know, at that point there was internship programs and curriculums and Iowa state had an internship program, but they had the curriculum classwork put in place yeah. and they chose to do that because they could, I think, be selective on who they were bringing in. And, um, I was getting recruited as an athlete and every place I went, I was asking about athletic training and they were asking about what I thought I wanted to do. And every place I went, Frank's name kept coming back up. They're like, if you really want to do this profession, you should try to get involved with this guy. Cause he's putting out really good people and his program's tough and, and they, they know what they're doing. And so I applied to get in and, um, I came up here on an interview, I think as a late in my senior year of high school. And then they gave me an opportunity to come join the program there. So I did. And then I actually majored in biology um, yep. here and not have training and did all, took all the athletic training classes. And, you know, obviously then you could take the certification test before you graduated. So I took that the semester before that I graduated and, uh, got my certification. And then, um, as I was looking on what to do next, um, I always have kind of paid attention to where's the most successful people, how they get into where they need to be. And I was actually looking to a lot of guys that were in PFATs at that time, to be yeah. honest with you, yeah. like how, how did they get there? And uh, the University of Arizona kept coming up over and over and over again. All these people have been to Arizona. And so I didn't really have a connection to them. Frank had a small connection. Uh, we had a, a guy that was our assistant athletic trainer here that had been in their program. And so I applied to that program. And um, I was fortunate to get in. They only took 10 people a year, and everybody was trying to get into it. And so I was uh, really lucky to get there. And I went and spent two years there with Dr. Del Forge. And, um, I actually served time as a head athletic trainer at a 6A high school for my two years there, but also worked and volunteered in the athletic training room at the U of A in the mornings a little bit and did all the classwork and yeah. got two massive years of really cool experience and learned a lot. I had, I mean, you know, Rick Burkholder was obviously he's the class ahead of me and we, we were friends there. And yeah. you know, Scott, Scott Saylor was the president of the ATA. He was in my class. And so we had a lot of, um, that, that whole program had a history of just outstanding people and so you get to cross paths with a lot of people that are probably going to be successful then. And so I was just uber fortunate to be part of that. And um, after that ended, I was trying to get a job, um, looking for a job at a place um, where I could make some decisions on um, people that, that might be at a high level. Um, and a job opportunity opened up at Wichita State with the baseball team. It was actually really late in that summer. Yeah. And uh, they were really good. They won the national championship um, a year and a half earlier. So I went and interviewed for that job, and uh, I was fortunate there. I, I, again, I got hired there late in the summer and started there. And then um, I was the assistant athletic trainer, but I was, baseball was my full-time gig. And yeah. we were really good. We were top 10 every year I was there. We were, we were College World Series all three years I was there. We played for the national championship two out of three years I was there. And, it was really awesome experience. I didn't get paid much, um, which was cool. I was there more for the experience and yeah. what, what could set you up for what you want to do down the road, which I really at that time wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I just knew I kind of wanted to work with really elite athletes. So we had a lot of first round draft picks and guys that were going to go make money and you got to meet a lot of cool people. And uh, yeah. about that time, uh, at the end of three years, I was like, well, I think, you know, I want to either be working as a head athletic trainer and running a place, you know, at a major college or working professionally in a professional sport. Um, by the time I was 35 and that was a pretty aggressive goal. Um, and, uh, a job, I actually interviewed for a couple of different jobs that spring and actually had the opportunity to take the head athletic trainer's job there at Wichita state. And, um, 
I ended up uh, coming back to Iowa State to work for my mentor. Yeah. And we kind of had a handshake deal that I would stay two or three years and uh, then move on, you know, and, and go get a job either running a program or taking a job in the NFL or the NBA or, or someplace if I could get that opportunity. And um, I was here for two or three years and started to get some opportunities. And every time I got opportunities, you know, my responsibilities here might change a little bit. Uh, yeah. At that point, I was working football and men's basketball both. And we were, we were pretty good in basketball and football was building. And I don't know, I never anticipated being here this long to yep. do this, especially the place I went to school. But uh, I think it was around 97, 98, 99, somewhere in there. Uh, Frank was like, hey, I, I think I'm going to move into senior administration. I'm not telling you you're going to get the job, but you'd certainly be considered if that's something you want to do. And so when he decided to move out, I applied for the position and, and got it. And um, he had set up precedence here of really high caliber things going on. And that thing I always appreciate about him was like, Hey, he's like, I know what we're doing now, but I don't know what's 10 years down the road. I'm trying to hire people that can help project that. So let's do that. And so he was always pushing all of us to continue to push the envelope and get better. And I've, you know, when I took the position here to do that, I I had a pretty good sense from the administration. We were going to get that support to do that. And, um, you know, despite opportunities here and there along the way, you know, doing different things, uh, the support here has just been fantastic. And yeah. they let us, again, they let us, they let, what you know, people that do what we do, they give us the opportunity to go do that. So I, it's a really good situation. And, um, yeah, I'll be here. I think next year's my 30th season, yeah. you know, being here at Iowa State. So that's freaking crazy. Like, <laughs> I can remember when I, remember when I turned 30 and I thought that was old. So, uh, you know, but, uh, yeah, so no, it's, um, that's kind of how I ended up, you know, what I'm doing today, you know, and I've got outstanding staff or 16 people on our staff besides myself. And yeah, um, yeah, it's great. we got great people that work here. Um, great staff, great support, great administration. I know that sounds like a fairy tale thing, but it's really the truth. You yeah. Know? So in your role, um, you're an assistant AD in your role. What is, I know you said you just wrapped up with spring ball. What, what does a typical day look like for you in more of an administrative role? Yeah, I think, um, <sighs> So depending on what our scheduling is, there may be times where I may go in instead of our head football athletic trainer, Nate Postman, I may go in and do some coaching reports in the morning if they've got heavy rehabs going on or the room's full. Yeah. I'll keep a break of what's going on there a little bit, but most of my day is uh, planning and implementing and making sure there's communication across uh, all of sports medicine and collaborating and bringing in our dietitians, our mental health people, yeah. our strength and conditioning coaches. So my role is really, um, one, make sure everybody's communicating and everybody's on the same page uh, in all those departments because we're all trying to get to the same place. Yep. And then two, um, learn and keep abreast of all the resources that everybody in those departments need and support that and get them all the resources they need to be as successful as they can be. So, yeah. um, you know, like, yeah, like I'm a, CSCS and I've, you know, passed the sports science certification and all that. And so I, I don't want to do those things for jobs, but I do have a pretty good idea, real yeah. well-rounded idea of what I'm trying to get done. So I try to be a huge advocate for all those people, um, our dietitians, our mental health folks. We, we meet every day, uh, you know, in my office about what's going on across the department, all, all 18 sports, you yeah. know, and so it's really a lot more of a coordinator role, uh, yeah. paying attention to what's going on still do a little bit of hands-on. I don't ever want to get out of that, you know, completely, but yeah, I do spend a lot of my time just talking with people and, you know, sitting with our people that are our 
department heads there and talk about visions for where we want to go. What do we need to do to get there and things like that. So, yeah, you took the, uh, I take it the, you said the sports science certification was at the CPSS from the NSCA. I took yeah. that as well. I missed it by two points. Missed the passing grade by two points. That's a hard exam. It's a it's tough. There were there was yeah. way more stats on that than I expected. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, man! I know. I need to go back and <laughs> take yeah. like an intro to stats again. You know, that was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah, it's no, tough. I was studying for that, and my wife, you know, she's <laughs> she's working on her PhD here, and so. I'm reading through the stats going to say, man, I haven't had this since I was in Arizona. And yeah. I, I'm she goes, oh, this stuff's so easy. And I'm like, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> for her, might, not for me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was seeing that, missed it by two points. I was like, oh, oh was, that yeah. was disheartening. No, I, but That was a really challenging, really good exam, I yeah. thought. Yeah. No, yeah. And the text, the text that's associated with it is, is awesome. Um, really good awesome text. Um, I'm going to jump back to being an assistant AD. Um, we had Reggie Scott on our first episode and I asked him, uh, the same question when you're in the role that you're in, um, and the way that the medical model is shifting to where you're overseeing all these different areas, strength, conditioning, nutrition, um, mental health, what is your advice that you would give younger athletic trainers to get themselves prepared to be in that role? Um, Cause I think a lot of us are, and myself as well, are, you know, what, what kind of hats do I need to wear? Cause you got to wear so many different hats to, to be able to interact and coordinate these different departments. So what's something, what's some type of advice you could give somebody that's, that's trying to get into this role of an, uh, an assistant AD or a director or a vice president? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I think athletic trainers by nature are kind of positioned to be able to leverage that if yeah. we want to go that way, because we do interact with so many people. Um, my advice, you know, and I tell all of our younger people too, is, you know, learn a lot about what everybody does. Yeah. And if you can have a really good idea about what everybody does, we're the ones many times that are coordinating all those things. Anyhow, Yeah. if you can really get a good understanding of what everybody's doing and how it impacts a student athlete, I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, it typically still falls back somewhere to medical. So yeah. it's kind of a natural thing to do. But what you have to do is you have to let people that you work with understand that you are aware of all those things and you do have a, a sense for what everybody's doing and the importance of how they all contribute to, to that, you know, cause for the, for the organization. Yeah. So, I mean, whether it's, you know, advancing your knowledge with additional credentials, um, you know, I think I've done that throughout my career and it wasn't to ever do that job. It was just for me, it was always to gain a better understanding of what is it that our strength coaches are bringing to the table that's going to impact the health and welfare of the student athlete. What is it, you know, that our dietitians are bringing to the table, they're going to impact the health and welfare because at the end of the day, athletic trainers have always been kind of in the center of all that stuff. Yeah. And for a long time, we were the only experts in those areas and now people are getting more specialized. You, you can't lose sight of the fact that you need that education because ultimately if you're going to coordinate the healthcare and, and which then uh, obviously impacts the performance of the athlete, you have yeah. to have some knowledge of all those things. So, just taking the time to get educated in what all those people do, uh, have an interest, you know, 
uh, you know, having enough awareness to know that other people need to be aware that you have some knowledge in those areas yeah. and work with those people. I think in the future, that's what's going to, to dictate that. I mean, Reggie, you know, he, he's in that position. I'm in my position. I mean, quite honestly, like, there was a long time in there where, um, you know, the position of the head athletic trainer was doing all those things anyway. Yeah. So transition for guys like me is a little bit different than transitions for people that are coming up now because there's right. so many other people involved. My advice would be just to get to know as much as you can about all those areas and incorporate them, you know, collaborate with them and incorporate, incorporate with them, you know? And so I think that's the biggest challenge, but I also think if I was going to give somebody some advice that that would be what I would tell them. Don't get in a silo. Don't just pay attention to what you do. Because if you have aspirations to do that, you'll never get there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think he echoed that as well, along with building those relationships with, with everybody involved. Um, I'm going to shift gears here a little bit uh, along with your, your current role as the assistant AD. You also do a lot of extracurricular committees at the state district and national level. Um, I, I'm not going to go through them because they're, I don't know if you can see that. <laughs> there, there's a bunch, man. How in the world do you manage to do all that with the hours that you work in the training room? Um, and stay so involved. I, I, I've always looked up to you for it, but I've always been like, man, how does he do this and be a dad and be an associate AD? And I'm, how do you do it? How do what, what, uh, what's your secret? Man, I got great staff people. Yeah. Where I work. <laughs> that's, that's the secret. That's no lie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, no, it actually is a long, li- it's a long list, but none of those things were done. Very few of those things were done at the same time. Yeah. And so I've always, you know, tried to, you know, the, the guy that I worked for was really involved. My mentor was really involved. Obviously, Del Ford's was involved in Arizona. But um, I've always been one of those people that has been told, hey, if you want to have a say in what's going on, you've got to be involved. In other words, don't gripe if you're not involved. Yeah. And, you know, our profession is so young, and it's, you know, continues to grow. I just wanted to be a part in whatever way I could of helping that growth. And it started small with state stuff. And, you kind of got to figure out if you enjoy it or not. And, um, you know, I was kind of forced into my first position. That was, I got volunteered to be the director of governmental affairs for a state association in the same year. I got volunteered to do that. They said, yeah, by the way, we're going to go for licensure. Yeah. So I, I had to learn real quickly about what that was all about Yeah. and kind of enjoyed it. And so all along, every time I served on a committee and got off a committee, I was always looking for another opportunity. And then, um, you know, along the way I got into things I was interested in. I was on the PR committee for the NATA, um, quite a few years ago. We actually, when I was on there, we started athletic training month, uh, that kind of thing. And that was yeah. before we had the, a big PR department, the NATA. And then obviously I work in the college and university settings and, and, um, you know, got on the CUATC committee for a while. And then I was a pretty involved with our state association and, um, I ran for president and got that. And so that automatically put me on the the board of district five. Yep. And that was when I really started noticing, you know, I was involved on national committees with PR and with the CUATC. And I thought that was great because you can, you meet people from all over the country. You learn a lot from them yeah. uh, about how they do things and how they approach things. So I've always appreciated that. I've always felt like the information we got when I was involved helped us here at Iowa state. Cause I was hearing what the newest things were that everybody was doing from across the country. Yeah. So that was another reason for me to stay involved. And then, um, I suppose after I got off the board uh, for that, I, it was a couple of years where I was just doing a couple of volunteer things here and there. And then 
you know, I always thought after I got through that board stuff, I thought, you know, maybe um, if I had an opportunity to run for district director and sit on the NATA board, I think, you know, when you start getting involved at the national level, you kind of see where you think there are gaps and, you know, do you think there's a chance you can might be able to fill a gap or help steer the profession, you know, in a certain way based on things that you see and you're hearing from everybody else. So I, I threw my hat in the ring for, um, you know, district five director. And then I, I got that position and then I spent a year obviously observing and then spent five years on the board. Um, so it does seem like a lot of volunteer work, but it really doesn't because those things were one at a time. And as long as they were one at a time, I was okay. And I'm not kidding when I said my staff here is fantastic. Like there was time I was on the board. I'd be like, Hey, you know, I got to go to Dallas for three days and my group is so good here. I didn't, I didn't worry about leaving, yeah. you know, and, and go, they, they, you know, we'd stay in touch every day. They, like I had complete trust in everybody that works here. My administration was super supportive of it because they knew, you know, we were getting exposed to a lot of things that were coming down the road from the NATA or the NCAA or anything like yeah. that. So it kind of put us in a, a little bit of advantage. We were getting information that helped us prepare for what we needed to do better. Um, we stayed abreast of best practices better because we get exposed to it right away. So I always thought it was a benefit, you know, for uh, our organization here. Our staff gets exposed to it. I was able to get a lot of our staff people involved, you know, with different yeah. things. You you involved, you know, former person, yeah. you know, you've been involved. So, yeah. um, you know, it takes all of us, yeah. you know, and, and um, just thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed the, the five years on the board, you know, and, um, and met a lot of people. Boy, I learned a lot about, you know, what's going on in different areas of the country. I learned a lot about different leadership styles. I learned a lot of bit about there's more ways than one way to get things done, you know? Yeah. So that's probably why I've done it. Um, my family understood it. Like yeah. they got it, you know, they got it, that dad was involved and uh, it really, you know, at times it took up a little bit extra time. A lot of it was just on phone calls and things like that, but yeah. uh, they got it. But they also liked, you know, if we'd go to convention, I would, that's, that was our family vacation, right? They would back yeah. it up and they'd yeah. go hang out. They thought it was cool, and so yeah. Uh, it was, um, yeah. Awesome. Um, talking about a little bit of the NATA involvement, uh, you're currently on the Sports Science and Analytics Task Force. Can you tell us about some of the stuff that's going on uh, within that within that committee? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of really interesting, fascinating, exciting things coming, which the NATA hasn't really announced yet. I yeah. think. When I first got on the board, um, I've obviously got a lot of friends in PFATs and I've got a lot of friends in the NBATA and, and yeah. guys I went to school with or guys that, you know, whatever. But um, it was an alarming trend about eight or nine years ago that athletic trainers were losing their jobs over sports science. Yeah. And, um, you know, the more people you talk to, you know, they were like, hey, boy, we really got to pay attention to this. And actually the year I was getting ready to go on the board, I had a, I was in a meeting in Omaha and I had the, you know, the president of Katie was there, the president of the BOC was there. And I'm like, Hey, like this issue is coming and it's coming fast. Yeah. And the trainers have to stay up, up to speed with some of the emerging technology that's coming that a lot of people outside of our profession are using to take over some of the, basically some of the responsibilities that traditionally have been that of the athletic trainer. Yeah. And, um, so I've always had an interest in it. Uh, to an extent, I got a lot more interested in it while I was on the board. Uh, Tori Lindley was our president and I were like, this is an important issue coming forward. We need to put a task force together to start investigating what is the impact of sports science on sports medicine and, and what's going on. And when COVID, then COVID hit and everything kind of hit the brakes. Yeah. 
And so um, we kind of had a pause there. But Adam Anacone uh, is in Texas. He's co-chairing this. He's worked in the NBA, and he's, he works in it. Um, I got a big interest in it. And we were able to get um, somebody from each of the major um, professional sports societies, representatives from there. We all sat down and had like a, a five or six month kind of round table about what's going on. Yeah. What, what are the issues? We There was a white paper that was written to give to the board. Uh, after I got off the board, uh, we, we submitted a white paper with some recommendations. And so what you're going to see coming forward now is how um, can sports science be integrated and utilized into the medical model. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, we've had some really good people. Reggie's obviously been there. Um, Adrian Dixon's been on it yeah. uh, and continues to do, do some work for us on that. And they've got a module coming up. But you're going to see some educational modules coming out uh, as early as this summer on different areas involving sports science for people that are athletic trainers. Like, yeah. hey, this is what some of these things can tell you. Um, it's not going to be a deep dive, but here's what you need to be aware of. Um, Athletic trainers don't need to be sports scientists, but they better understand what all this sports science information is telling you because yeah. it's to dictate some things in return to play and all that. And, and, and rightly so it's, you know, it's objective information that can help us. Uh, like I said, last year, when I spoke at PFATS. It's probably going to confirm your gut, what your gut's been telling you all along. Yeah, exactly. It can help, it can help guide you more than dictate you. And so the mistakes that a lot of organizations have made, you know, early on with sports science was, science was dictating everything yeah. instead instead of just helping it be another tool to help us guide another tool in the toolbox to give you some information on what's going on with this athlete. Yeah. What do we need to look at? What can we improve? So that's why I got interested. I was, I've been interested all along. I, I proposed it when I was on the board and then they, they put me on the task force, you know, moving forward and I've stayed on it because I just, I've got a big interest in it. We've got, a, we have a lot of it here that we're utilizing here yeah. uh, and learning about it every day. You yeah. know, and most, we don't know it all, but, it's going to be such a huge piece of things in the future. Uh, it's like I told our staff, you guys better learn this or you're, you're not going to have any part of it anymore because it's yeah. going to be an essential component of what we do as athletic trainers. Yeah. And I think that, you know, at, at your level and at our level and a lot of the, the higher level sports and, and athletics, we're always trying to find something, you know, we're always trying to find something objectively like, Oh, well I got this and I got this. And it's not a matter of, who's sometimes it's a matter of who's got the fancier toy, but you know, I'm in the business of, well, I want the fancy toy that tells me something, you know, I want the fancy toy that works and gives me an answer and gives me, like you said, gives me what my gut instinct is. So it's, and, and like you said, it evolves every single day. It literally changes every single day. So, um, staying on top of it is, is critical. So yeah, I think, you know, I think we have to educate athletic trainers enough and even sports science people. I think everybody, <laughs> if you talk to sports science people, they'll tell you they made this mistake too. A lot of times everybody buys technology and then tries to figure out what it's going to tell them. Yeah. And then what we should be doing is what questions is it that we want to answer? Yeah. Go find the technology that gives us the data to help answer that question. Yeah. And so that's where we start, you know, everything. And so, uh, obviously, you know, we have force plates and we've got Nordboard and we've got, you know, Synaptic and we've got all that stuff's fine, but we have to have a specific purpose, what we're trying to find out about that. And yeah. then know whether we can trust that. Like you said, is the data, is that telling me something I can actually use or not? Yeah. And so I, I start relying on people that do this a lot more than we do trying to find out, you know, what they're doing. I, 
you talked about Reggie, I, Tyler Williams. I talked with Tyler yep. periodically. I'm like, Hey, like what, what are you guys seeing with this? Like, yeah. you know, when you're doing a return to play, what's what uh, to you guys, what's the most important information? I may ask somebody else and ask them the same thing. And yeah. I think as we all learn more about this, we're all going to get some things that become more standard, you know, um, it's just a new tool. You know, it's a new tool that, that we can use to help us make better judgments instead of me walking out the field, running with somebody and doing a bunch of functional work saying, boy, you sure look good. Yeah. You know, yeah. now I can go look and actually see, are they decelerating right? Are they not? You know, yeah. how are they landing? How are they taking off? Can they cut? I mean, get some actual objective data that says, yeah, they're, you know, I got a lot of confidence now when I say you're ready to go. I got a lot of confidence and some data to back it up, yeah. you know, and so yeah. that's where we're heading. We're not there yet. Yeah. we're not we're not close to being there yet you no. know but we're, we're trying to learn along the way so yeah. awesome i gotta ask too are you gonna run for nata president anytime soon no no <laughs> not interested no. <laughs> had my chance had i'm not chance. doing it all done okay uh next big thing that that, that i don't have the time i that yeah, I that's a that's a that's a commitment yeah. that's a big commitment yeah. um yeah next thing big announcement NATA Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, how about that? That's oh crazy, man, right? congratulations! <laughs> how does it feel? I mean, that, that's it, it's an uh, honor. It's an honor for me as as somebody who I look up to and I consider a mentor. Like you and both Rick are both mentors of mine. So to have both of you going in the same year is, is awesome. But for you, how is that? How does that feel? Uh, in all honesty, it's like you're really honored when you get nominated. Yeah. And, you know, you, you know, you don't ever set out to do this, you know? And yeah. so, um, when, when you're nominated and there's people that write letters of support and nominate you and things like that, then what you're really hoping at that point is, man, I hope I get in cause I don't want to disappoint everybody. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so, and then not that it would be, but like, yeah, it's more, um, when they called, uh, Kathy called and let me know. And, uh, and I'm sure Rick can attest to it too. I don't think it really, I don't even know if it really has all sunk in yet, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, we had a call uh, a couple of weeks ago where there was like a, a web call for anybody that's living hall of fame that wanted to get on. It's like a, so, you know, see everybody on the web, whatever. And that yeah. was when it first hit me. Cause there's a lot of people on there. There is a ton of people on there that are my idols. Like, yeah. And I, I really don't, I really don't consider myself in their class. Um, that's real. Like, I just, like, I know what they've done, you know, yeah. and I'm like, um, for somebody to think that I may have done something to put me there, that's just incredible to me. Like, yeah. uh, we all do everything we can to make the profession a better place. I've just yeah. been, I've been uber blessed with great mentors, uber blessed with people, you know, that I've got to work with people like you. I mean, all my staff is crazy. Like, and I've said this before that, for me, that Hall of Fame reflection is is a reflection really on my good fortune of all the great people I've been around and yeah. mentored with and worked with along the way, because none none of that stuff uh, is possible. And then, you know, it's a reflection on my my family. Like the, there was some sacrifices that had to be made for me to do all these things along the way. Yep. And they were all in. You know, they were all like, "Hey, this is helping athletes. It's helping the profession." And so, you know, super thankful to my family. You know, um, for that to happen, but. Yeah, everybody tells me when you get there and you you, you get into it, uh, that couple of days it's pretty pretty crazy. But yeah. 
uh, it sunk in, but not really. You know, yeah. I was, in all honesty, I was more thrilled that Rick was getting in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Truthfully, you know, I mean, we were a year apart in school and he was there at the U of A my last year. He was an assistant and, you know, uh, a couple of people we've been around and again, I've always thought the world of him and, and obviously Tori Lemley's going in and Fitzy's going in and Lauren's going in. And so, you know, you kind of get to know these people as you're working with a lot of things and you, you know, they're really good. And, uh, all of us would just say the same thing. It's like uh, one year Scott Saylor and I were, he was on the board before he was president and we got invited to a president's reception where all the Hall of Famers there. We walked in and we went, what are we doing? <laughs> this is not right, you know? And so I still kind of feel that way. So um, yeah, we'll see. But yeah, super honored. And um, man, humble doesn't even begin to say it. Cause yeah. it's like, you know, it's just for somebody to think that just is, means the world to you. Yeah. Well, I hope uh, I hope I at least get invited to the after party. I'll I'll be at the oh, yeah. I'll be at the uh, ceremony. But if not, yeah, I'm crashing fun. that thing no matter what. So it doesn't oh, yeah. matter. <laughs> I, I would expect no less. <laughs> oh man! So you talked about it. Your family, your family support. You've had a you've had a unique, a really cool and unique situation at Iowa State. Um, your son was actually a member of the football team there for the last uh, four years, right? Was he there five. for five years? Yeah. Uh, five years as a, as a walk on, right? Um, talk about what that, that means to you having him around and being in the training room and somebody, uh, he's a legacy of yours, you know, he's, he's yeah. going to the same school playing for your team. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Both my kids, you know, Mackenzie and Bo and, and Mackenzie's three years older, but they have spent their lives in yeah. the athletic room my daughter might be the biggest cyclone ever. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, she probably needs to be a member of our letter winners club, but, uh, yeah, Bo was, um, he played for us. He was a good athlete in high school. He, um, really good academically. He had a lot of, you know, Ivy league offers and, yeah. and service academy offers. And it's kind of funny. He's, he hung around here his whole life. And, um, I think he, you know, when he st- finally started, he's a little bit undersized, but he's really good athlete. And, uh, I think he always wanted to try to take a shot at it, you yeah. know, and he was around our guys enough to know they were human. And, um, you know, they are, our, our coaching staff here came and, um, he had some opportunities and some offers uh, and they said, Hey, you know, if we'd love to have him if he wanted to come and try to work, you know, yeah. walk on him. And his first year, um, you know, as a walk on, you can't play, um, your first year if you were recruited, at all because it uh there are some scholarship rules involved or something like that so we knew he was going to start that first year and then second year in he had done good enough he was uh scratching his way on some special teams and then the week of the first game uh on a tuesday he tore his acl so he got to spend yeah. a lot of time with dad he'd never been hurt <laughs> he'd never really been hurt ever yeah. and um so that was kind of a, again a unique dad experience uh, unfortunately i had previous experience because i also did my daughter's acl when yeah. she was in high school so yeah. um so really unique experience there with him being around here. And then, um, you know, second year here after he came out of the ACL rehab, that was COVID and coming out of COVID, he actually played uh, quite a bit on special teams. That was kind of cool to see for the first time, you know, he goes out there and lines up in a big 12 game just to yeah. see the satisfaction in his eyes, you know, but uh, he's always had his head screwed on straight and, you know, he's, you know, he's really good. He's first team academic all big 12, three times. And, and, um, you know, a letter winner here and had a good experience. And so it was fun. Uh, people asked what it's like. I said, well, it was fun and it was terrifying at the same time. 
become an athletic trainer and also be dad, especially yeah. if you're part of the So I know it had, it had to be difficult for him too. Yeah. Um, because, you know, dad's a, you know, in a leadership position here and, you know, don't want any concepts of favoritism or anything like that. You got to earn everything. And then, you know, it's really funny because I, I tell a lot of people, usually if when players are struggling with things, they would come into my office. And I'd be the person, hey, it's all going to be all right. All, yeah. You know, like I like that with him because I'm his dad. I had to make other people be his dad for a while. I mean, in yeah. the building. Yeah. Um, no, unique experience and um, super thankful it happened, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, he'll be, he'll be finishing up this year. He'll have his master's in May. And um, yeah, we'll see what happens with him. But yeah, my daughter, my son, awesome. My wife, man, she's incredible. She's yeah. always brought kids down here when they were younger so they would have time to spend down here. And she gets yeah. what I do. She's got her own career path that's, you know, super exciting and difficult to, right now, too. So, yeah. man, I, I got to be the most fortunate dad and husband in the world. You know? <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I, I always remember. And I think this is one of the one of the things I look up to you as the most as as a dad who always incorporated his family into the training room, um, not just with you but with your whole staff. I mean, you watch Bo and Mackenzie grow up in there, and Denise is always in there, and then Nate's Nate's kids were in there, Shannon's kids were in there, and that's so important to not only the kids but to us as as parents to just have them there to experience that stuff, you know, cause that's such a big part of our lives as, as athletic trainers, but that's something I've always, always admired about you and, and something I'll always admire and take with me, you know, wherever else I go. So, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I think, uh, I kind of laugh about it. You know, anybody that does what we do, you know, their kids childhood is demented. Yeah. You know? No question. No uh, question. Yeah. So, you know, you're, your daughter's going to grow up and, and Travis Kelsey and, you know, Mahomes, they're, they're just going to be like everybody else. Yeah. They're just yeah. person, you know, and, and the cool thing about that is their perspective on life changes because they really, they do figure out everybody's human. Yeah. You know, no question. And, and, um, you know, so in some ways it helps them in some ways they kind of lose that yeah. luster sometimes too, but that's okay. You know, but I've asked them many times and it would get, it'd get difficult if I wasn't home a bunch, you know, or working late nights or something like that. And I yeah. would say, Hey, you sure, are you guys sure that it's okay dad's doing this? And every time they're like, yeah, heck yeah, yeah it's okay. Yeah. We love them. Yes. Don't do anything else. Because <laughs> so, uh, there was several times you know, in my lifetime where we had that conversation, yeah. you know, right, okay. Are you guys sure about this? You know, cause I know I'm spending a lot of time doing it, but uh, now nah, they were awesome. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I think uh, I, I've, I've, to be honest with you, I've had that conversation a few times too. And my daughter's only, Eight, 19 months old so she can't yeah. even talk yet but i've definitely had that conversation with with my wife as well um yeah, yeah. so we've got two final questions for you before we wrap yeah. this thing up uh these are how i end every every episode first one is if you could work in any other athletic training setting what would it be uh man i don't know um, I don't know. I've always had friends worked in the NFL and the NBA yeah. and you know, I've, I have chosen to stay in the colleges because I really like that age group when people are developing, mm-hmm. but I've also super spoiled that I have every resource here that I would be able to have, you know, working with you guys, yeah. but just to, you know, my, my mindset has always been, 
try to be as elite at what you do is as the people that you want to work with. And so I, yeah. I've always said, you know, you guys are working with the elite of the elite, you know, same thing with all my buddies in the NBA. And, I, and I've gone, worked, you know, summer camps or whatever and done that, just been yeah. around it. But I think I would have a lot of fun doing that. Yeah. Um, but also where I'm at kind of fits my, my niche a little bit right now too. Yep. And so um, probably that, you know, I think um, <clears throat> I've always, I have a couple of staff, a couple of different staff members that have gone to work for NASA. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> you work with astronauts, man. It's like, yeah. you know, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I never really <laughs> thought about it too much. I kind of live in the moment, but, um, no, I've always like, you know, I just always felt like, you know, if I wasn't doing that here, I'd probably be what I'd be trying to do is, yeah. is, you know, working where you guys are at. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. And then our, the final one is your favorite moment as an athletic trainer or favorite moment in your career, man, like that one was on the list that I read that you sent me earlier. And so <laughs> I had to think about that. Um, I think there's a couple of different ones. I think, um, you know, we've had a couple of teams here over time that probably weren't expected to do much. Mm-hmm. And then they got it together. Like we, the last ever big eight basketball tournament, uh, we won yeah. over Kansas we had nine new players like nobody's expecting anything. And we kind of gelled and got it together. It was just one of those really cool things that you got to appreciate in the moment. Yeah. You know, um, I don't really get into wins and losses as much. I do everything I can to get people as healthy as I can and then let kind of let it roll. Yeah. Um, but that was, you know, that was one thing that was really cool. I mean, obviously, you know, we go to, you know, some bowl games and win that, or, or our team starts surprising people and do that. But my satisfaction's always been more about the individual victories, guys coming back from injuries and things like that. But yeah. um, sadly, I would say, you know, I, I kind of hate it, but um, when COVID was going on and we were all under a tremendous amount of pressure mm-hmm. to try to figure out, how can we play? How do we play? And, you know, you were involved in that, and, and obviously everybody PFAS was involved, everybody in the colleges, but the day that we went out and played the first football game in the Big 12 uh, with virtually nobody in the stands, yeah. and every two days it was like, are we going to have enough players to play? Are we going to get tested in or out of it? Yeah. And we had that first game and kind of being in the position that myself and some others were in, my AD came up at the start of the game and he, you know, he just came up right away. And I, I don't talk to Jamie very often. He came up, he said, man, he goes, can you believe this? We're actually here doing this. Yeah. And there was just so much at stake in terms of being able to play games or not play games and the financial impacts on all the institutions and all that. That was one of those where I kind of stood back and said, well, this isn't really my job. Like, I don't, I mean, we yeah. did it because we do it. I never anticipated doing that, but that was one of those where we were like, so many people put so much into that to make that happen yeah. to stand that day and watch that game go off when a lot of leagues weren't even playing yet. The big 12 decided they were going to go ahead and do it. And we did it with everybody available. Um, man, that's a testament to our coaches and our players and our staff and our team and everybody. But that was one of those where that isn't what I really would think of as like yeah. exciting moments. It was one of those where you're like, you stood back and you went, man, that's a lot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but that, that's crazy. Like I, I hate COVID with a passion. I think it ruined a lot of people. And, yeah. but at the same time, you know, you kind of got to look back at it and say, this is a pretty difficult thing that a lot of people listening to this call were directly involved in and, yeah. and at all levels. And it was just a really hard time. So it was kind of a satisfying thing to see, 
a curveball that was thrown to everybody that nobody had ever faced before. Could we handle that or not? Yeah. So uh, it's cool. But yeah, a lot of team wins. Um, you know, yeah, a lot, a lot of cool things. Like we get to see, see so many cool things all the time, and so many neat things happen. Yeah, um, hard to pick them all out. Those are a couple that you know come to top of mind. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you for for joining us tonight. Um, I really appreciate this. It was great talking to you. You as well. Yeah. You. And uh, we'll we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up. So, thanks for joining That's us. Good. Yeah. All right. We'll All right. Everybody have a good night. Yeah, we'll see you guys next time. All right. Thank you for listening to the PFATS podcast. Please follow our Twitter and Instagram accounts at PFATS underscore com. That's at P-F-A-T-S underscore C-O-M. For any questions or inquiries about the podcast, please email PFATSpodcast at PFATS.com.